You're watching the GIA E3 newscast. This is Monday. We are covering some of the big news over the weekend. Uh, joining me today is, I, no, I am not Chris Tring, as you may have noticed. I am James Batchelor. I am uh, Editor-in-Chief of Games and Drop Is. Chris is busy working on various exclusive coverage, which you'll be able to find on the site. So joining me today is Marie D'Alessandri, who is our Academy writer. Marie, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Tired. It's E3, so I'm tired. <laughs> are you holding up <laughs> after the weekend? Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, it, we, we're kind of lucky this year that there's nothing at like crazy hours for the UK. So there's nothing at like midnight or 2am. So yeah. it's all right. Has to be said, as much as, as much as it feels like there's something missing by Sony not being here, yeah. I am not missing having to be up at 2am yep. <laughs> for the Sony conference. Uh, and joining us, our special industry guest today is Cassia Curran of Wings Interactive. Cassia, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, how, how are you? I am doing fine. It is Monday morning. It is Monday morning, yes. <laughs> we, are all, we are all feeling the Mondays. Mm. Um, brought you on because it's always good to kind of get good um, different perspectives on E3. You've got a kind of very different kind of approach to E3. You were telling us um, just before we recorded like, of, of how you go. Would like to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, um, I was a little bit like disconcerted when you reached out to me about being on this podcast because... I've never quite got the point of E3, um, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, so I've always approached E3 from, my, my, business, my background is uh, business development. So I've done business and development in the games industry for many years, uh, sometimes a Chinese publisher, sometimes a UK a company, uh, looking sometimes for mobile games or PC or console games to publish. Um, and... I've always just generally thought uh, of E3 as the conference that happens conveniently after GDC, so you can see how the deals with American uh, game developers are going. Um, I I, te I have never really sat down and properly watched like uh, all the E3 showcases at once, and um, I'm I'm always just like catching up after the things have happened, seeing if there's anything interesting that's catching my eye, just kind of thinking also from like a, a business point of view, seeing uh, like how the major companies um, are changing potentially their strategy or there's a doubling down on certain strategies. Um, but yeah, I am, I, I have to say like, I'm not uh, someone like the press who are all, where E3 is like one of the biggest things of the year. I have mm. quite often opted out of E3 and or just like, and I've quite often uh, gone to Los Angeles to attend E3, but not actually bought a ticket or bothered to go inside and just had meetings back to back at the JW Marriott um, all day. So, <laughs> nice. um, yeah. So yeah, I have a definitely different perspective, very much like business orientated and um, nothing particularly like, uh, yeah, so maybe you could actually describe to me, James, what's the point for you <laughs> for E3? I mean, this, I've only ever done one E3, so for me, E3 is always just that that collection of live-streamed presentations crammed mm. into the course of a week where, hey, here are all the big, new, exciting mm. games. It's the point where kind of I, as a gamer, get really excited about what's coming out. Um, and as you say, kind of really interesting seeing like the different companies and what their, what their strategies are. I mean, we saw that really clearly with Xbox last night. You, um, I mean, we've known for years that they're really concentrating on Xbox, uh, Game Pass, sorry, yes. concentrating on Game Pass. But like, you know, last night, it's like 30 game reveals and 27 of them are going to be on game pass and most of those are day one on game pass like that yeah. strategy is really coming to fruition now yes and you're really absolutely. starting to see the, the the investment they've put into it 
Yes, I mean, Games Pass is definitely the best bargain in the in the games industry, like mm. hands down for any consumer. Like, um, and I can you can see why Microsoft are particularly looking at, at uh, Games Pass as, as being their key differentiator compared to all the other major gaming companies as well. Massively. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see some of the the bigger titles as well to uh, be going on 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 Game Pass because uh, for a while Game Pass was maybe mostly smaller titles, but now it's day and date for for really the the big things. Like I can't remember all of them, but uh, some of the big Xbox announcements are going to be on Game Pass, and I find that super exciting as a as a non Xbox person uh, <laughs> who happens to have an Xbox because my partner has one, but, and but I've never had any like a lot of incentive to play, but what they showed last night really got me thinking about, hmm, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm going to start that, that Xbox Series XX after all, after everything they announced and Game Pass. Yeah, I'm now thinking I now have to buy an Xbox console. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been much more of a PlayStation um, kind of uh, player, but uh, the Xbox, yeah, Xbox Game Pass is just such a good bargain and there are so many good games coming out that uh, it seems more and more necessary. Um, it's very very bad for, for our wallets, but there's so many great games. It's, yeah. This is another thing about um, E3, which I find a little bit hard to almost like take in. Is just there's so many games mm. coming out, it it gets a bit overwhelming. Completely. Um, so uh, that's why I tend to just I don't watch the showcases. I just read like the recaps, and then I'll watch the trailers for the ones that catch my eye. Mm. And I'm like, oh, Redfall maybe like seems like something I will get. But at the same time, I'm I'm only going to play these big games if the either if they're really really popular and i want to see what it's about um or um if it's got really really good reviews um and it's not just seeing like a shiny trailer there's so many shiny trailers um yeah. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna wait until they they actually come out to to get I, excited while we're on shiny trailers you absolutely if you haven't already you absolutely need to watch the shiny trailer for the outer worlds too yeah have you seen that oh one okay yet? I haven't actually seen that. Should is it worth watching then? It is absolutely worth watching. I mean, it's it's very trailerish, but all I will say is like that is how trailers should be. That is how honest yeah. trailers should be going forward. <laughs> okay. it, is, it is superb. Um, oh, it's so, a comic one, right? So that yeah, be fun. it's uh, it's definitely worth watching. So, uh, how much have you caught up on this morning from Xbox and, and Square Enix last night? Because those have been the big ones over over the course of Sunday. We had you know, the Xbox Bethesda showcase, it was followed shortly by Square. The PC gaming show was like last night, but I, I think PC is, in the grand scheme of things, a smaller market, obviously compared to mobile, but slightly you know, smaller than console. So I, I, the PC gaming, gaming show never seems to bring out as many massive headlines, you know, industry attention-grabbing headlines as, a, as Xbox, for example. So well, how much I'm... did you catch up on? Uh, I, I, to be honest, I'm more interested in on the, on the indie side, personally. Um, yeah. Actually being completely honest here the one game that um uh i that came that was announced this week um weekend that i i was instantly like okay i will buy that no matter what um is like a tiny indie game called yokai which is essentially as i can gather it's you're, you're basically being um managing the uh the the demon house in um spirited away 
like a studio ghibli <laughs> that's kind of amazing going, oh my god yes totally <laughs> like i am i'm there i'm there i don't when i have was... no idea whether it's actually going to be any good but i'm just like i just love the concept and i will just like throw money at this game yeah same so, i mean i don't even know what it is at this point just what you just said but that sounds amazing when was that announced that was a uh, part of the wholesome game oh no uh, i watched it and i don't remember i, I, need, I, I need to go back it was, and watch it was definitely one of the lists and i was a bit like okay just throwing my money at that one and also there was a really good one which was um uh about uh tea uh yes what is it tea. pico yeah that, that's also <laughs> i'm sorry just take my money yeah <laughs> i feel a bit bad <laughs> for xbox and th- th- st- <laughs> um, <laughs> at this point it's like they come out with this like amazing stuff with like halo infinite and starfield etc i'm just like no give me the cats with tea thank you very much yeah. um, no, i'm the same <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean I'm, i got really excited about xbox which is not something i expected but I, um on paper i'm definitely more like you more interesting into the uh, the, the tinies. <laughs> yeah, they're able to to take risks and like try something different in a mm. way that um, I think these big companies they're having to because uh, it costs so much to develop these games. Um, they need want to de-risk uh, their investment by you know doubling down on like um, uh, like proven gameplay mechanics uh, by building up on like uh, already established franchise franchises. So it's a little bit harder for them to really go go nuts um with with like very like offbeat or crazy um uh, ideas and thoughts so like for example having a look at like party animals that's very mm. much like triple a version of gang beasts right mm. so um you can sort of i i i, I can I probably know the corporate person who sat down and did the, the analysis for that and, and, and worked out that this is a, probably a good um, idea. This, yeah. yeah, you know, it would like, yeah. you know, you, green lighted this one. Yeah. You, you watch that trailer and you just know there has been a meeting. It's like, right, gang beasts and human <laughs> fall flat, but with animals. Do yes. It. That was yes. the entire pitch. Very high production <laughs> yeah. values, and then we'll throw loads of marketing budget behind it. Yeah. And-, <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to work. And I'm sure it's going to, yeah. like, I, I was, I was well into it when, when that trailer uh, got on. I was I like, oh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd yeah. play it. And yeah, sure. But you can instantly yeah, see the influences and see, mm. um, yeah, as you said, that discussion that went on probably and how they got to the place they got, like, that's for sure. I definitely think that as well with, um, I think what's really interesting about like the wholesome games showcase or just like the whole presence of whole ca- uh, wholesome games uh, per se is that there's obviously like this consumer demand um, for these sort of non-violent games but mm. uh, the AAA, the big companies they're very much established in like games about killing things no matter what or violence um or like fights even if it's party animals like little cute animals fighting each other like that kind of conflict sort of uh focused games whereas like there's so many different ways to actually um, play like create games which are nothing about not not at all about conflict about uh or like a physical conflict and violence. Uh, so I find that that's kind of actually pushing things forward in the games industry in the most interesting way now. See, this is where my, I get my obligatory plug in. I, I my, was waiting, you, you for, waiting it. for it. You were waiting for it. So I do, I do in my spare time, I do a, um, a blog, Nonviolent Game of the Day. Oh, yes. Um, 
which is a little Twitter account, and it's kind of basically it's wholesome games, but without the discipline, dedication, and budget. <laughs> um, that's basically what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I, I make notes like as, as as it's going along, and kind of you know what games I can cover. Um, and I'm planning. I did this for E3 2019. I'm planning to do it again for um, this year. Like on GI, I did an analysis of how many games were shown that are violent versus non-violent, and that boils right down to not 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 like excessively violent you know um so you know all the hack and slashy gory ones i mean even things like party animals i would count as violent because the object of the game is to inflict violence no matter how cartoony it is and looking at what's been shown so far and bear with me while i consult my spreadsheet which is handily open in another tab uh so far we have only seen well i i I clarify i haven't made notes for like any of wholesome direct or um Guerrilla Collective or Devolver, like this is primarily like the big showcases, mm. um, you know, so Kickoff Live, Xbox, etc., um, PC gaming show, like things like 28, 28 games so far are non violent out of potentially oh, like over 100, mm-hmm. over 100. So, like, that's it, it's not a massive proportion. Like, you, you look at some of these showcases, so Square Enix in particular, like, I, I'm there was some of the stuff there look look fun like the gardens of the galaxy game looks great fun and that i that has my attention but watching through the rest of it is like and if you just kind of detach like right what are you what am i actually doing here what is the loop what is going to get players engaged here it's like gardens of galaxy most of that will be shooting aliens and things and yes there'll be some fun conversational bits but then it's mostly shooting aliens and then babylon's fall is a party of characters hacking and slashing their way through monsters in a dungeon and then stranger of paradise final fantasy origin is a party of characters hacking and slashing their way through monsters in a dungeon building on those franchises that are known for hacking and slashing through and it's just it there wasn't a great deal of variety kind of ubisoft as well like we we didn't say a great deal about ubisoft's lineup in in the previous newscast because honestly i didn't have much to say about it because Mm. most of it was here's a game where you shoot things and here's a game where you shoot other things and okay there was like a an extreme sports title and mario rabbits but even mario is now shooting things like it's this 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 not obsession that's too strong a word but this this focus on combat it it can paint a very kind of one-sided picture of our industry. And the thing is that E3, as we've, we've said in previous years, and certainly on previous podcasts, like E3 is that window for the rest of the world into what the video games industry is going on. Case in point, my, my dad is downstairs looking after my children. And uh, he was saying, like, how's work going? It's like, oh, yeah, it's E3 this week. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that on, uh, on the news this morning. Yeah, it's all the big video. Even my dad, who is completely unaware of any video games existing outside of Microsoft Flight Simulator, is aware of E3. And yet, if you were to look at it from an outsider's perspective, a lot of it is various forms of digital killing. And yeah, the indie showcases, like you get a much more variety of that. So mm. I, it's kind of a shame those aren't a bit more, bit more prominent. Mm, it's, yeah. it's ironic, um, but uh, unfortunately, violence is the safe option. Yeah. Uh, for the games industry, for game developers, like uh, this is kind of tried and true, make, makes lots of sales. It's there's a whole vocabulary uh, that's been built around like shooting people or shooting things in the most satisfying way, and uh, it's it's relatively easy to replicate. Mm. Um, I, 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 I did think. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, I did think that uh, the Xbox showcase in particular had a lot of shooters and as a person who doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily enjoy shooters like 
I mean, unless it's The Last of Us or Uncharted, these are the two series where you shoot things that I've enjoyed in my life. And generally all the rest is not for me, essentially. And I thought that it was quite overwhelming that a wide majority of the games shown at Xbox were shooters, like almost all of them. No, maybe mm. not all of them, but, and yeah. as a result, they're all merging to one in my yeah. head. <laughs> there yeah. was, there was a shooter in the, what is it the title? I don't know. There was just so many of them. Uh, yeah. But some of them do look like, I do remember uh, Stalker 2. I thought that trailer was really well put together, but apart from that one, mm. uh, like it's just, it's just a bit too much. And like, I was a bit sad that Xbox this year didn't have, um, a dedicated space for indies actually because mm. typically they would do that sort of like uh, lots of clips of different indie games unfortunately that means they don't have the, the spotlight they deserve as much because it's usually very short segments but um, mm. that was a bit lacking I think they could they could have put a, a better emphasis on, on, on indies that would have been nice because um, the, um, the wholesome games show I thought was very intense and dense, and I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was covering it with uh, our news editor Danielle, and we were trying to take notes of everything. It was so so fast, like just a few seconds for announcements, and it was really difficult uh, to keep track of everything. Uh, and as a result, same same result with many games just merging into one into my like in mm. my head. Um, but yeah, anyway, too, too many guns, more caps, <laughs> yeah. less guns, I, please. Yeah. I do find myself with, like with some of the certainly with some of the stuff that was like during Xbox or Square Enix or Ubisoft, like, and this is, this is kind of personal taste and it's, it's kind of hard. It's hard not to separate your personal taste from what you're oh, yeah. covering for work. It's impossible. But I, think, but I like, find myself like some, some of them, like, you know, some of the demos just completely tuning out and just waiting for the next thing to start oh, yeah. because I, I personally have no interest in this game. I have already got a, a sense of what this game is. Um, Kate's point would have been um, rainbow six extraction. That game does not appeal to me at all. I can see why it appeals to others maybe um, but like there was a good what 15 maybe I'm 20 but like, it was a good 10-15 minutes on the real ins and outs of how you will be killing the zombie aliens and I just I was like I, I just kind of my mind just yeah and my mind just drifted like my just and it doesn't Marie you kind of make a really good point is the 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 lack of indies and and those kind of more riskier titles at things like the xbox in particular like it it, it struck out to me when when um one of them i, I want to say phil someone someone from xbox started the, the showcase like we've got 30 titles for you tonight 27 of which are coming to game pass and we're like right if there's only 30 that means there is no indie montage because usually they're like we've got 75 titles for you this week uh, you, know, you know this year's e3 and like 50 of them are crammed into this this idea xbox montage but within those you get some really interesting games and then last night that, that i think that's what made last night's showcase ever so slightly less interesting and kind of it as much as wholesome games it's great that wholesome games exists and guerrilla collective and direct and devolver mm. digital and with the I, i'm rambling and i am building to a point i promise <laughs> With E3 being digital this year and there being fewer physical showcases, we're seeing a more digital one. So like there are more separate events this year than there are of any other previous E3. Mm. And it means that these indie games get their event, you know, an event of their own. Mm. But those events aren't getting the attention that they perhaps deserve or, or those, those titles might not be getting the attention they would get during, say, an Xbox. Um, Case in point, we were, talk, we, were, we were talking in the, um, the, you know, the team Slack yesterday, and I believe during Wholesome Direct, 9,000 people were watching it on YouTube. 
29,000 people at the same time, at that same moment in time, were waiting for the E3 stream to start. Mm. So nothing is happening on the mm. E3 stream, which was obviously going to start with Xbox. But yeah, and that, that's, that's personally disappointing because, like, purely because yeah. I'd, I'd love for the world and, and you know, the industry to recognize how much more varied video games can be. And stuff like Wholesome Direct really shows how varied it can be, how many different gameplay mechanics and core loops there are beyond make the thing dead. Yeah, I'm just generally playing indie games these days because mm. once you've played like that, you know, Ubisoft open world AAA game, like they kind of get a bit similar. Um, like I just don't have those kind of like new interesting experiences happen so much with uh, AAA games um, than I do with indie, like there's so much imagination so much like creativity uh, coming out with all these indie games um and they're they're genuinely exciting um mm. in a way that i just i'm like oh it's a yeah another another multiplayer shooter that i will like suck at and yeah. <laughs> probably be abused upon if i ever try playing it because yeah. i will suck um so mm. yeah i've like yeah, it's great. I feel like Animal Crossing as well being so successful last year has really opened the door for more mm. chill games as well, which I mm. very much welcome as well. And yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. It's a bit of a shame though that now, because like there's there's a bunch of people who are really disliking the term wholesome for some reason. And like I don't understand how people manage to create controversies on nice things like that. <laughs> And like we have this really cool thing happening where tons of very creative and interesting games are coming out and somehow there are some people who are unhappy about that and about the term that's being used and that is beyond my my understanding, I think. I, I don't get why that could ever be a bad thing and also if you don't like the word, just don't use it, but that's, yeah. that's fine, like, I don't know. It's like a, I think it's just a new sort of shorthand. I think um, there's always there's going to be this kind of uh, critique or discourse about um, how uh, like violence or non-violence sort of um, it takes place within like our cultural areas uh, in, in society. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's it's it's. I think that the wholesome curators are doing a fantastic job with yeah. um, sort of dealing with that kind of critique, et cetera. I, I think that um, the sort of kind of critiques of wholesome games um, could be could be valid in some respects in that uh, there is such things as like, you know, like toxic positivity when yes, that's saying true. things are positive. Uh, but this is not the, really the case with um, the way the wholesome games um, is run. Um, and I think it generally it's just a really, really positive force for the games industry. And I'm like, I'm like consumers, please watch more. Please like buy all these games. Cause I'm certainly just so down for it. Definitely. What I'd love is like, um, obviously not to look too far ahead, but like, if, you know, E3 next year, I'd love there still to be, you know, wholesome direct guerrilla collective, all these, all these, all these kind of um, indie yeah. focused events around E3 because it, indies are never going to be able to afford like a booth, you know, even the wholesome games team are never going to be able to afford a booth at the E3 show um, to kind of show off all the games in their, in their showcase. It's just, just economically it's, it's not practical. But and it I'd doesn't really give you that much in return, I think. No. Like, like uh, we sort of do the sum sometimes for the like, indies to attend this, that, another, and show their 
games offer game shows and it's it never really moves the needles from a sort of marketing perspective it's maybe useful for the game developers to attend and then watch other people play their games but then mm. you can still get play testers yeah. like i just don't think it's particularly valuable um except for you know having fun yeah i'm going to a game show um, i think that's yeah that's super interesting because i've definitely seen a few uh developers and uh, small publishers as well have been telling me the same thing as you just explained that actually maybe going to physical shows is not necessarily that um important anymore i don't know if important is quite the right word but there's this many things now you can do that can bring you a lot of uh traffic i guess on mm. your steam page for instance like demos are a thing that uh some mm. people have told me like that if i have a demo that sometimes is as useful as having a, a booth at um at a show or something um i find that quite interesting that uh, maybe physical presence at events might not be such a big thing anymore oh yeah it's much more valuable to get your game on to a promotional event on steam mm. than mm. it is to get your game like shown in front of people at some sort of game show um like the mostly the good thing about game shows for indies is like the networking and, yeah. and the parties i guess um but then I, I almost like the the positive part of the pandemic is that it's it's it kind of has flattened the playing field for indies from uh developing countries who couldn't afford mm. to go to these big game shows etc um and um given them a bit more opportunity that uh, european or north american dev already had um but but yeah i, I but I, I think that it's, it's very much diminishing in terms of returns for uh, indie game developers to attend these kind of uh, events sometimes yeah i know indie publishers who over the last year have not attended any events because there haven't been any and have been like it has made no difference to my business at all yeah. i can i can now not go to events and still sell my games and still reach the people i need to to reach yeah. um going back to the point that marie made like the the uh, demos like kind of Credit to Xbox in this regard. Like, so I believe they've confirmed that they're going to do another ID Xbox demo fest um, towards oh, really? the end of the week. I think it kicks off tomorrow, in fact. Oh, so for a week, you will be able to download demos of the indie games that have been shown off over the past week or that are, that are particularly prominent coming up from ID Xbox. And like, the demos are only available for a week. I'm still not clear as to whether that means that after a week they just delete themselves off your hard drive or you can't play them. But like, but the idea that that I think is is a great thing, and I'd love to see that more with E3 in general going forward is all right here's this cool game we've just shown you a trailer for and here's a demo of it so try it like you know you, mm. we all kind of watch these trailers and gameplay demonstrations and think yes i know how that plays but actually to get hands-on experience and like we are we're in this kind of very kind of digital world where you can do that you know here's here's a new indie game here's a cool new wholesome non-violent indie game and you can try it now on your xbox like that's a cool thing that we can do and i'd love to see that more going forward Sometimes it, I think with demos, it really um, the impact of, of having a demo really varies depending on the kind of game mm. it is. Like sometimes if you have a demo, depending on your sort of game, like some players will just be like happy with the demo and won't actually bother to buy the whole game itself. Um, <laughs> and it kind of uh, like having a demo uh it kind of uh, incentivizes you as a developer to sort of embed some sort of game mechanic hooks that really uh like try to get you addicted to the gameplay or try like you know leave it as a cliffhanger like just to you know ensure that uh, after playing the demo that the player will actually mm. want to buy the whole thing um so uh, it, it varies a lot but mm. yeah demos 
thoughtfully done can be like a, a good thing for sure for, for both players and for, for developers. Yeah, no, that's true. To be fair, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking of past demos that I played to death, but never bought the actual game. So, yeah, but <laughs> but, it, but still, like yeah. it, it can, I think just the the ability to kind of try new games and again, kind of Game Pass ties in with that. Like you can just download if you're subscribed, you can just yes. download it, have a go. Because you know the the upfront cost of video games is now increasing, and I think that's why we're seeing you know it's, it's all part of like why we're seeing such homogeneity across like you know the big e3 games are they're all like you know you know high budget very polished violence driven more often than not their multiplayer or their service game because that's what sells that what that's what people know they can spend 60 now 70 dollars on mm. and know they will enjoy you know they as much as you said about yeah you know, like ubisoft um open world games like you, you you know once you've played them you've kind of played them all it's like that that too and that works the other way it's like once you've played one you know you're going to enjoy i know i'm going to enjoy far cry 5 because i enjoyed all you know far cry 6 sorry because i enjoyed all the previous ones so i know that mm-hmm. is a safe bet regardless of what they show or not but when it comes to something new something original something a bit more risky mm-hmm. yeah I, I, even even i have to confess like I, i'm like i love the look of that but i don't know if i can justify because i've done it I've, I've bought games i've spent five, 10, 15 quid on, on indie games thinking, oh, this looks really good and I want to support the developer. I've played it for an hour and I was like, ah, oh, this is not quite what I thought it was going to be. Mm. It's not quite my thing. And that feels like money wasted, which is, which is a horrible thing to say, but you know what I mean? Mm. So I think this is actually, uh, Game Pass has a really uh, fantastic uh, impact upon consumers because they can just try mm so many different new types of games and it, i've heard great things from indie game developers saying that actually getting their game uh, their their game onto um uh, Xbox game pass has increased their sales elsewhere because more mm. people have just tried their game which they maybe wouldn't have already and then liked the game and then told their friends about it and they all bought uh, their game on the other consoles they have or the other platforms that they prefer perhaps or whatever um so it's for for indies i think the the in the short term at least um game pass is fantastic and i but I, I wonder, uh, like in the long run, if this kind of, if the Game Pass comes super dominant over all other forms of um, uh, subscriptions in the games industry, uh, then uh, Microsoft will be in a really, really strong position and be able um, to have somewhat like monopolistic power. But that would be in the future. Yeah. I personally find Game Pass a bit overwhelming, I'll be honest, like, because mm. as I mentioned earlier, I do have an, an Xbox, but I don't use it and the thing is like this I'm, I'm interested in game pass for the day and date releases of like some of the big games they announced for instance because mm. uh that's means i don't have to pay 60 quid for a new game if it's on game pass and it's part of my subscription but when it comes to smaller titles or even like um what's the word i'm looking for back catalog of uh, of Xbox games or games in general. I just look at all this library and I'm like, there's just too many choices and I end up not playing anything. So I'd rather like pick and choose the things I'm playing on other platforms, even if that mm. means I have to pay for them. Um, I mean, no, obviously if it's free on, on Game Pass, I would probably, I should probably do that, but mm. I just find it a bit overwhelming. But it is, it is, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's definitely a chance for, for indies in the short term, but I am, I am wondering and worrying about what it means in the long term um, for for everyone in the industry, really, that that sort of new model um, emerging. 
I don't think we, we know and I don't think we're going to find out for, for many years to come. Like we still don't know like in the ins and outs of the of the deals that that Microsoft are, are making to get titles on it, you know, on on their their service. So um, we don't we don't know how. I mean, the presumption obviously is that they're they're paying large sums of money to indie. Say here, this will offset any sales you might have got. Um, but we don't know how much those are. We don't know how much like you know the indies were expecting. So, and as much as as much as the ga- indie games are on there, I, we don't really have any statistics as to how much they're being played. Like that's not often something that's that's announced. Like you know, I'm I'm and you know, and there's the difference of downloads versus played. Like I'm I'm one of those people that's guilty of like ah oh, you know download a ton of indie games or interesting titles that I'm really interested in on Xbox and then never get round to playing them. And then they either expire or I delete them to make room for something else. Like it's, it's, it's a tough one. I couldn't possibly comment. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I have to say about that. But um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a definitely like one to watch as Xbox Game Pass going Mm. forward. I think from an industry uh, dynamics point of view, that's going to be the most interesting. Um, uh, And just, Generally, uh, E3 over the last few days. I, I, is there anything like uh, that you're looking forward to, to tomorrow? I'm wondering. Um, yes. All Nintendo. the things because Nintendo. Nintendo All is the one thing I've been waiting for. <laughs> like it's just. I, I was saying last night to a friend. Like we were just chatting about how it felt like there wasn't any wow moments for me so far and for them mm. to uh, during the, the showcase. But that's just because Nintendo hasn't happened yet as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've had a lot of things I've loved um, in the Devolver uh, showcase and in the Wholesome games and even in Xbox and Ubisoft, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just going to be Nintendo. I'm just okay. looking forward to seeing, I don't know, whatever weird indie things they're supporting or and also Breath of the Wild too. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes i am also have i have hopes for nintendo um i am a massive fan of nintendo and i think that uh they are really capable of coming up with like very interesting exciting um innovative new titles they really are not afraid to to try something different um no. and i have massive respect for that company yeah i always think nintendo makes a great kind of finale to e3 like yeah. i know that, i know that technically if you look at the e3 schedule there are other sessions afterwards but in terms of like big names nintendo as the last one and they always take that kind of that tuesday slot so they are the last big companies going it always just feels like it draws a line under each e3 nicely because like as we're kind of saying like you know most of the showcase most of the triple a showcases you know various you know different forms of guns and killing and multiplayer and live service and triple a and polish and large games that that are very much appeal to the same audience like the, the all mm, different yeah. titles that are vying for the same audience same money and then you get to Nintendo, and Nintendo have some of that, and they have they are, and, you know, and Nintendo have been appealing to the same audience since you know since they first got into consoles. Like yeah, they, they're still rolling, you're depending heavily on things like Mario and Zelda and so forth to kind of keep people's attention. And, and those series, with the exception of Breath of the Wild, obviously haven't changed too dramatically um, over the decades. But equally, I think like after three or four days of titles that are primarily aimed at that typical 18 to 34 year old male 16 to 34 year old male to then have that last showcase of here's some here's a selection of games where there will be something for everyone there'll be something to your 
for your 16 to 34 year old male that doesn't mind playing something with more than four mm. colors there'll be something for grandmas <laughs> there'll be something for children there'll be something there will be a good range and there'll be there'll be some of the kind of the action stuff there'll be some you know certainly they're, they're getting better relationships with third parties over the last few years and particularly now that switch is, is so um so popular so best-selling and um, but you yeah you get that mix of nintendo stuff and indie stuff and some third-party stuff and it's it's always just kind of a a good kind of snapshot of of the sort of games that that a lot of people want to play exactly absolutely yep. i can't wait for nintendo i hope it's going to be good i hope we won't be disappointed but i don't think so I don't know. I don't know. I'm still. Not, we we were all gearing up for that Switch Pro announcement that never happened. So I'm now. Yeah. I'm now just holding holding my breath for tomorrow. I mean, because... I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not too upset about the Switch Pro announcement not being a thing. I just want Nintendo games. Like I love my Switch as it is. I don't need a Pro. <laughs> That's that is the thing. That is the thing. Like tomorrow, even if even if Breath of the Wild doesn't show up, Breath of the Wild Two doesn't show up, you still get Nintendo games. That's the one. Yeah. The one where you can never be disappointed mm. by Nintendo is you will get Nintendo games. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just remakes of Zelda's, I'm fine. Just give them to me. <laughs> Agree. Yeah, I will play all the remakes of yeah, Zelda games. Yeah, totally. Fine. Mm. Fine. <laughs> yep. That is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to be back tomorrow with a special industry guest just after Nintendo. So expect a lot of Nintendo talk tomorrow. Um, Marie will probably get you on for that then. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll be there it, then. <laughs> it, it sounds like you might have a few things to say. Um, <laughs> Cassia, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It was lots of fun. No worries. Uh, you can find all our E3 coverage at gamesindustry.biz. You can find the rest of our GEI uh, E3 newscasts on our YouTube channel. And there are podcast versions as well. So if you've got all the way through this and you think, I want to do that again while I'm going for a walk or a run or, or I'm driving, then you can download this episode just you know, all over again on audio. Uh, and that will be on the podcasting platform of your choice. That's it. That's it. We're done until tomorrow. Um, Plenty of stuff to be covering, so we should probably get going. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.